Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and I am here with Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. How are you doing, Alice? I am doing okay. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. Today, we are here for another episode of what I have called Honey Ginger Tea Time, where we talk to people that we know and love about this show that we love Yurikuma Arashi and back at it again is Chad hi Chad hey that song that we opened with was was really quite good I don't know who made that but uh, that was made by my wife that was I like that that was fun yeah it's very good I love it Chad normally uh well to introduce you you are my podcast co-host on the comics podcast and you have been on here before talking about Utena and normally uh we ask people what their origin story is for what we're talking about but your origin story for this is about the same as your origin story for Utena which was me saying haha you should watch this and then you did yeah, my origin story for a lot of things lately has kind of been you. <laughs> what can I say? I have good taste. So, and that's the thing, right? Is up up until Yuri Kuma, I was like, Emily has literally never missed. So, oh no, <laughs> that's not a good start. So I want because I'm going to blame you for Steven Universe, even though that was partially you and partially uh, Haru in my writers group. You had I'm already gonna... started that one. I just yeah, like, but kept prodding you to. You kept prodding, and honestly, that first season's really rough. I needed the prodding, right? And then it gets great. Um, so. Then there's the Owl House. Uh, there's Utna. There's, I want to say, at least one or two more other shows. Uh, Alice got me to watch Sound of the Sky, which was fantastic. So, like, together, you two don't miss. Like, you have, like, fantastic recommendations. And then we're on Yuri Kuma, and I don't know where I sit on this show. Not going to lie. It's less that we never miss. And more than that, between the, between the two of us, the experience will be... Interesting in a mostly okay to good way. I think you're selling yourself a little short. This is definitely an experience, and it had a lot in 12 episodes. There's a lot. I pride myself on the ability of, like, my recommendations may not always be things that people like, but they're always things that people are glad that they looked into. Yes. I will say... I did not recommend Yuri Kuma because I was like, oh, I think Chad will really like this. Like, I wasn't thinking like this is super up Chad's alley. I was thinking it would be really funny if Chad (laughs) watched this because I want to know what he would think about it. And then that's what happened is you watched it and now I'm going to find out what you thought about it because you've been saving all your thoughts about it for the most part for this, for this recording, because you wanted to come back on the podcast. Yes. So who's your favorite Yuri Kuba character, Chad? Oh, uh, it's got to be Ginko. I feel like she's the most developed, but also like her design is the best. She's a cutie. She's yeah, like I don't know. There's just something about her. I really like her like quest, even if it doesn't make sense for the first three episodes. <laughs> like I feel like the first three episodes of the show and the last uh, nine feel they're very different. <laughs> Probably something for a, a future part of this episode to talk about. But I I like her a lot. Unlike unlike Utna, where I really like the, the villain. I I don't really like the villain in this one. But the villain's kind of just society. <laughs> yeah, in a way. And, and the stairs. There's a lot of falling down stairs. I do like the appearance of stairs. <laughs> yeah, Ikuhara, you know, he, he does one thing and it's stairs. I almost wish uh, the character in the first episode that gets killed and kind of spurs most of this on 
was around a little longer because I think there was maybe something endearing about her. Sumika? Yeah, yeah. That's really funny because I know you haven't listened to any of our other episodes about this show, but we had uh, a couple of co-hosts with us while we were doing part of like the rest of the show and they they both hated Sumika. <laughs> So the funny thing about, and I, okay, I'm not going to be like, oh, I know all about Yuri the genre because I fucking don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, can I swear on this? I can't remember. Wait, who did the fuck do you think you're talking to? <laughs> if you don't swear, we'll be mad. I don't want to break the rules. Uh, you think we're going to be able to talk about lily licking without swearing? How many licks does it take to get the lily center of a lily pop? <laughs> One, a two. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I do know that Millbear can't find it out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, talking about Yuri and Sumika. So like, like, because she seems like the quintessential like character in this kind of genre, right? We're like, oh, of course those two are in love, and we want to see them succeed because we are watching what I don't want to call is porn, but is you know very like bubbly romance, and and so you're kind of in it for that, right? And so she feels like she's designed to be that character in the genre. And so when she dies, it is upsetting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's right or not, but uh, that would be my, my take on it. She is definitely the embodiment of a very specific kind of Yuri uh, character type. The girl who is relatively sweet and quiet and has glasses and short, usually it's very short, short. Bobbed <laughs> short bobbed hair. Like that is a very, that is, that is a Yuri trope. Okay. They're like, Four kinds of characters who are protagonist <laughs> sort of characters in Yuri, and she's one. That's one of the thrill of them. <laughs> so, Chad, you had some mixed feelings about the first three episodes of Yuri Kuma. Let, so, let's explore that. Okay, for one thing, like uh, the the amount of fan service in them is probably not abnormal for the genre, but I don't think did them any service because it's it like. Obviously, this show has things to say mm -hmm. very blatantly. It is not subtle at all about what is going on. And so, like, the just bombardment of weird anime bullshit, kind of off-putting, kind of like, oh, God, what have I gotten myself into? I don't think the Ginkgo and Lulu's, like, what they're after doesn't make any sense in the first three episodes, especially since they're actually killing people. Like, <laughs> it, it really muddles what, how we're supposed to feel about them. And so it's like, oh, these are the villains. What's going on? And then it's like, oh, actually, she's in love. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and they used to be best friends. I guess that makes sense. We've established some of that. But then you go back to the first three episodes, and they're, like, gnashing their teeth, and they're just, like, so excited to just eat people. And it <laughs> it's really disconnected. I would challenge you to consider that the fan service is sort of part of the part of part of the point because you, you i mean i know that you recognize that this is like making a statement on lesbianism and like women on women like attraction and the way that that is sort of like exploited for titillation in entertainment media and in my opinion the the purpose of the fan service is to sort of like make you think that that's the type of show this is going to be before it starts to tear all that down that's fair alice what do you uh how do you feel about episodes one through three chad are you are you familiar with how much vampire modern vampire literature have you read modern oof because not a lot i think that might be part of your disconnect is that the kind of thing you are experiencing here 
is the kind of tonal shift that you get from things like oh god i just blanked her name interview with the vampire in race thank you where it's like these elements that should not mix keep butting into each other as well as it's not vampires but suspiria which is directly referenced in the text is also kind of relevant here but like i wonder if if you had had more experience if you've been with like say that kind of thing if you might have been able to situate or quite kind of like get used to that whiplash between sort of the fan servicey overt etchy kind of thing and the uh they eat people because like the go the back and forth between those when i the first time i was watching it, i was like ah yes i see this is basically the same as the interview this is the same as um uh, the vampire will stop where like there are five minutes between the vampire will stop like fucking killing a dude in the back alley and him like seducing random women for no reason in the streets of uh new orleans that, that's actually uh, that's interesting I, I i definitely did not think about any of this that way but when you mentioned vampire it's like oh yeah like there are certain vampiric things about lulu and ginkgo in the first three episodes that mm-hmm. that kind of does explain some things it's interesting i still think their motives feel a little flip floppy until about episode four when we actually get really into sure. a lot of character building um, and the show gets a lot better at that point, too. Yeah. They they go to great lengths to obscure their motivations. Watching it back, I understand that their motivations don't change, but it is not the most elegant mm. executions on that. Op- that sort of obfuscation is not the most elegant way to do it. It could probably have been a mildly smoother because, you know, I didn't... It, there's a, that chance that you don't get that moment of epiphany around episode five or six and you just end up being confused and yeah kind and of like you don't connect it the confusion thing is interesting right because it's definitely on purpose because i remember after i watched the first episode i was like emily type 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 what the fuck is this <laughs> and then you're just like i don't know keep watching and so i watched the second episode and i repeated the question and then I think it was around the third episode, I was like, Emily, did the bears equal lesbians? And you were like, yes. And I was like, I cracked the code. Now we can keep going and things start making a shitload more sense. It's a really weird puzzle because like there's a lot of pieces, but some of the pieces are really big. And you're like, oh, this these two go together because they're giant. And then there's like all these tiny little pieces the size of like, you know, drop glass. Because there's a lot of like really dense metaphor in this. And then oh, yeah. there's a lot of really not dense metaphor. And you're just yeah. like, this is so strange. And I kind of, it, it is fascinating. I, I actually did have a lot of fun watching this. So when I say like, I was kind of teasing whether I liked it or not. Like, I think I did. I don't think I would ever recommend this show to anybody. <laughs> we definitely had conversations about how this is the hardest show to recommend. It's one of those like... N- not unless everybody gets real cool with a lot of stuff real yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is a fascinating, fascinating watch. And ultimately, by the end, like I was pretty on board with what was going on, and I wanted to see how it was gonna end up. And and I think at one point uh, I described to you off show like it reminded me of like Alice in Wonderland. Like there's a certain level of nonsense to this sh- uh, series, but it's extremely deliberate, and there's enough grounding to it. We're like, well, of course the makes sense like the characters are walking on the ground right like like there's rules and there is a reality to this even if not everybody acts like people but then half the characters are fucking bears in disguise anyways so yeah so they're they're, i mean uh by show standards they're not people they're (laughs) bears (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, I don't think I would be able to recommend this show. Not because I don't like it, because I do. But I would have to know a lot of things about a person before I did. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. then, I'm not sure I could, because I literally, if I were to watch it a third time, I would still be unable to watch it without just, like, being insanely embarrassed for about 50% of it. Just, like, a knee-jerk reaction embarrass, embarrassment about yeah. more, like, NSFW bits. Not because they're bad or anything, I just... Look, I, I I was raised a certain way. I'm never going to be able to shake my squeamishness <laughs> about some things. Yeah, the the reason actually that I felt comfortable sort of sending you into Yuri Kuma with basically no warnings about what you were about to watch is because you like. I don't think that anyone listening to this podcast listens to the comics podcast but like chad you're a little more jaded towards like weird internet horniness than i've been around the internet a while a lot of other people i know and so like when i knew that you were gonna be going into this i wasn't afraid that you were gonna like watch this and be like ew i can't believe panda just sent me this like weird lesbian bear porn Which, I mean, you kind of did. You kind of did. But, like, not in the way that would, like, totally shake you off. Yeah. It was one of the... I remember the very first, the opening theme song, I I finished that. So I'm two minutes into the show, and I was like, Emily, this is the most you show ever. And you're like, is it because cute girls do gay things? And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's... No one has green hair yet, but we'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, no, I don't think anyone in the show ever has green hair. Somebody oh, has a little leaf true. on their head, though. That's true, yeah. I, li- I liked her. Well, I mean, I didn't like like her, but she was an interesting, fun character. I think they're all pretty cute and fun in their own yeah, way. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. One of the things, okay, there's a couple of things. Um, the, the outro with the bear dancing. <laughs> so good. Big thumbs up. Big thumbs so up. So good. Maybe watch that more times than I needed to. One of the things I really want to talk about, and I don't know how often you've covered this on the show, but is the the whole court cases and the Yuri approved thing. Yeah. That happens in the first episode. And it, I think that was the big ticket where I was like, okay, this show is up to something that mm-hmm. isn't completely random because this is weird, but it's weird with purpose. And like going through that whole process and trying to like determine what these characters represent, what the metaphors are, because there's definitely more than one. And, and like what this show is trying to say about a lot of stuff and, and i really really enjoyed it and the these three characters the the two the, the prosecutor the judge and then the and the the defendant like life cool life beauty and life sexy i called them cool sparkle and then judge because i couldn't remember <laughs> their names <laughs> you're were. not wrong <laughs> okay i actually wrote a shitload of notes yeah well my okay my first take on them was that they represented logic and emotion because they're they're arguing the case. These like two the, characters the are, ego and the super ego. Yeah. And like, like the cool one is sort of like the logic thing. Like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Because X will happen or Y will happen. And those are bad things. Like you're you're making a sacrifice to do this. You have to weigh your options. And then Sparkle's just like, fucking go do it because it will make you happy. <laughs> I don't care about the rules. And then the judge is like, that's the sexy way. Shabba-da-ba-doo. And uh, I was like, oh, that makes sense, right? Like, because... These characters are, they're arguing with themselves about basically coming out of the closet. And it's sort of like, <laughs> what, you know, what, what do I get out of this, right? Like, I will be happy. I'll be my authentic self, but I could lose a lot of stuff. And that happens in the real world. Like, no one's surprised by that. So I was like, oh, this is really clever. Like, I really like this. Uh, do to do reading my notes because I didn't highlight anything. And I wrote a lot because I'm dumb. 
No, it's great. I'm excited that you were writing so many notes. Yeah, and, and so I like that the, the judge always sided with the, the side of emotion because it seemed like at the end of the day, like people take the emotional route more than the logical route, right? Like if you've been on Facebook, you know that <laughs> and it makes you upset. Yeah. But it also like, I feel like you can only be in the closet for so long before like it's kind of just like, it, it gets too tight in the closet. Like it feels like they have to, these characters have to follow their hearts. And that's also part of the point is like, they can't mm-hmm. not be this way forever it it is like worse for them even if the logic side of your brain is like yeah but it's really scary or yeah but bad things might happen but then it kind of flips right because these three characters are really the only coded men characters in the entire show Uh, so there's one more well there's the the one girl's brother but Uh, well aside from milne i guess i don't really consider because he's a he's a baby he's not a man the uh the guy that like grooms uh fucking principal raise a hawkeye remember the no who's the, that the you know like the principal lady with like oh with the hair, and then there's the episode where you get her backstory and she yeah. had like that one dude that was abusive to her she was a oh my god i liked her a lot actually she was a <laughs> fucking just weird serial killer lady <laughs> what, okay all right, but my, my point kind of stands still, right? Like, okay, yeah. these three people that are men basically telling the bears and make, giving them permission whether they can be gay or not. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's creepy. That's like, at the, like you boil these characters down. It's like, they're not actually like these transcendent, judgmental creatures of good or evil. They're just kind of horny men. Like the one dude gets seen, you know, spying on women with binoculars. And it's like, you're a fucking pervert, dude. You're, and it's like, oh, they all just kind of represent different parts of the patriarchy because fuck the patriarchy, right? Like, Yeah, it's really about like the way that you, the, there's a particular type of image of women loving each other that is appealing to and acceptable to straight cis men and they are the ones that are the arbiters of whether or not these girls can express their true selves and it's so tragic because they're like being forced to give something up something that's important to them Mm -hmm. so like these guys can be like oh your your gay love is approved by us that we will actually probably watch and enjoy and Mm -hmm. and it's so it's so like this show is so dense and it's like there's like four or five different like ways you can read these three characters and they're not even like they're only around a couple minutes an episode like they're yeah. they're main characters but they're not like prominent main characters right they're just mm-hmm. it's like that kind of stuff about this show that it's like this show is a really really smart I don't know if it's always well executed but it is really really smart <laughs> I agree I would say also, I'm kind of under the assumption that the Wall of Severance is really just like, like the door is like a closet door. It doesn't quite look like one, but like that's kind of the part of the metaphor, right? It's like we're yeah, literally, you know, oh, you know we're, we're coming out of the closet. We're coming out of the Wall, you know, wall of Severance and, and uh, shenanigans. Yeah. The Wall of Severance is actually the only part of the show that is not a metaphor. It's just literally bears are alive um, and they are pr- 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 proprietors of vice and um and lesbianism and they need to be stopped that's actually the actual <laughs> message of the show i feel like you could read that as the problem like the the show's a little fast and loose with its metaphors yeah i i like the reading of the trio as being a societal thing a lot of people read the trio as a commentary on how yuri as a genre or as a sort of like collection of various art 
spaces and movements in Japan functions. And I've always been a little leery about that because it's kind of based on a stereotype that isn't actually true. And we just keep saying it's true that like the large purport that the most of the people reading this kind of material are men, which again and again we find is not actually true. But it's interesting to me that we keep saying it's true. And I wonder, do we say that because we, we have weird ideas about the way that people consume manga? Or do we say that because we assume that anything that is vaguely hinting at sort of like open feminine sexuality must obviously be kind of like male gaze involved because we're so kind of brainwormed about how that's happened in every other part of the culture. I, I would almost argue that like that could be something that Yuri Kuma is also speaking on because like to begin with it sort of seems like it's commenting on like Yuri or like what people think of Yuri or what people think people think of Yuri but yeah. then like when you get more into the show you start to see all of these like these very deliberate references to Western media. And I feel like once you actually like start to, to dig into the rest of the show, it's a lot more critiquing like Western ideas of. Yes. Wa exploitation. I can't help but point out that the trio guys are okay. This may be a, a bit of a deep cut. They're all dressed like they're the host guy from Iron Chef Japan. Interesting. Go on. I don't think that's an actual, like, connection, but they all read as being dressed really, like, over, like, ob almost obnoxiously Western. Uh-huh. Very extravagant. And I kind of, it's interesting to me, and I don't know if this is really relevant, but, like, that every, so much of this show aesthetics are just obnoxiously european yeah western like even the movies it references a lot of them are like the biggest one being suspiria is italian mm -hmm. and chad did you happen to notice that kareha lives in the bateman house from the movie psycho no i did not um I've it's never... like a pink version but like if you look at it like it's the same house that's that's wild Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like, all these, like, horror references and, like, horror aesthetic, like, peppered throughout It makes Yuri sense, Kuma. though. I think, like, ultimately, like, the show is, a, I mean, the show is about the the diff varying struggles of, like, queer people and, and lesbians in particular. It's like, yeah, that shit's scary. Like, mm -hmm. there's horror stuff everywhere. The whole, the whole town she lives in, I mean, it's, like, this dark, oppressive, uh, very gray, the sky is typically overcast, the, the, boundary boxes all these giant skyscrapers that aren't finished they got cranes on them like it the whole place feels like a prison except like maybe a couple spots like the the garden that gets burned to the fuck down you know mm -hmm. and then um her house but then her house is an homage to a horror movie and it's like oh that's not even safe yeah i love the aesthetic of everything by the way i like i love how the school legitimately feels like a prison when you see it every time it's like this dark <laughs> red it's so horrible like, mm -hmm. no, who would want to go here? But then it zooms out. It's like, oh, you're stuck here. This is a box. Like, the one lady <laughs> is even like, this is my box. And you're all in my box. And it's like, phrasing. But also, you're not wrong. 
Also on the horror references, the background that shows up when like the wall of severance stuff is happening is patterned to look like the carpet from the hotel in The Shining, but with like a bear paw. That's awesome. Like if you look at it, it's so obvious. (laughs) Yeah, and everything about this this show is deliberate and in a really crazy way because like we read a lot of comics, right? And Mm -hmm. and there's a certain level of that to comic books because it takes just you only have so many pages and it takes a lot of work to draw a a picture in a comic. Mm -hmm. So everything has to be precise. And then you pull out to like TV shows and you start to think, well, I hope everything's precise because they had to set the lighting and the cameras. But some of these doesn't always feel that way. And then you get to mm-hmm. books and like half the shit's not precise because you're just typey, typey, typing. <laughs> and uh, this show is precise in it to a degree that like every frame, every shot, I feel like there's something in there that adds to the whole. And like if you watch this like at half speed, you would find even more stuff. And the amount of just care in it is really, really mind-blowing and kind of inspiring <laughs> that's the Cooney stuff for you you know like there's so much shit even if the only reason for it being there is just to fuck with you it's somebody thought about it it's yeah point. it's crazy because like, i think of like that level of precision with like some of the greats of you know western literature right the stuff i had to read in college that i, yeah. I really like and it's like man if you took like this level of precision and then applied it to something that did not have anime bear titties what what would you get but then it's like well he wouldn't do that though because he's not interested in telling that kind of story he just takes such a everything is so weird but there's such a care and like intent with everything going on and a lot of that also has to do with like he like surrounds himself with really good crew people to work with sure i know one of the things that kind of struck me about this show is i feel like like all of the language and i watched it subbed so i don't know translation stuff right but like everything felt really deliberate there too just certain word choices he was using the Mm -hmm. words and phrases he chose to repeat and it was it was kind of a treat because i i love like like sumika or not sumika uh kuraha's like i'm going to ruin bears and just like that like the use of the word ruin instead of like exterminate or kill or destroy (laughs) like there's just something like so much more like theatrical about ruin right like like you're like oh i'm gonna like ancient rome bears i'm gonna just seriously ruin this this is gonna be crumble to the ground right like and i don't i had like i had so much fun watching that and i was like i really wish i had like written down like all the fun phrases because when lady who wants to put stuff in boxes shows up like everything she says (laughs) is like peak serial killer and i was like oh my god this is just a serial killer in this show right now yeah yuri aka's nuts and i love her i know it's great i also feel bad for her though oh yeah Mm mm-hmm what other stuff do you have? Uh, I, I I could ask you questions, but I know you have a lot of notes, so uh, I want to make sure we hit everything. No, the problem is I kind of breezed through my 800 words of notes pretty fast. That's um, okay. I, I I talked about the backgrounds and like kind of the settings, which like I said I really I really like the setting of this and just what the backgrounds are telling us, and then like the the especially the cityscape, the the cranes and stuff. It just it's beautiful, but it's so bleak, and it's just. You're like, God, I don't want to live in this city. The city looks awful. It's just, it's like, no one can have fun here. And it <laughs> reminds me of like being in a video game. You have like the boundary box, right? And like, you know what the city looks like? It looks like the city from Mirror's Edge. Yeah, but like way less bright. <laughs> yeah. It's that like featureless white concrete. 
yeah, 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 for sure. And like, hey, there's a dystopia too, right? I really love that you compared it to like a boundary box in a video game because I hadn't thought of that before. But like, it really is like, like they exist in this like little sphere of the world. And then there's like the portal to the bear world or whatever. Yeah. And and then like the bear world is like technically better. You got like a lot more nature and it's wide open and there's hills and stuff. But then mm-hmm. there's also a lot of like, oh, the bears were at war. Here's like a snow covered battlefield. Everyone's dead and has guns mm-hmm. and there's no blood. But you can tell like, oh, this is like a bad place, right? Like like their society isn't safe either. Even though I, I wish we had gotten more of it, to be honest. I, I yeah. feel like there was a bit of a hole there. I wanted to see more of what the bears are like and why so many of them are coming over and trying to blend in with humans. I definitely feel like uh, Yuri Kuma would have benefited from, like, I don't know, two more episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. One of the other things that was, like, really big for me was the ending. Yeah. I love the ending to this, and I read it really bleak. Oh, yeah? But... Tell me about it. So, like, the they're, they're getting ready to, to, to do some murders... And, uh, and Ginko and Kuroha, basically, you know, they share their kiss. They're like, you know, screw all these people and their guns pointed at us. And they're, they're having this like moment. Right. And, and she transforms into a bear, kind of like Fiona and Shrek. And, um, it, it's like this gorgeous magical moment, right? Like a freaking like God kind of comes down or whatever. And it's just like, your wish has been granted. And the judges are like, we did it, everybody. They did the promise kiss. And, and then the characters, all the, the, the children's, they, they open fire and just kill them. <laughs> And it's like, you literally witnessed magic and the power of love. Like, this is some My Little Pony friendship is magic shit, right? Like, this is this is what most media is all builds up into. And we learned our lesson. And, and it's like, no, no, no. Society doesn't actually work that way. Like, hate doesn't just go away. And, and they fucking, they just start shooting. And it's such a raw, like, sad, depressing ending. But it also, it really drives home, like, a lot of the metaphor and a lot of the point of the show about what it's like to be hated for things you can't control and like it you just want to find enjoyment and then no one around you's like no we got to exclude you and it's all fucked up and it's just <laughs> i was like really surprised it went that way because at the end of the day it's like well this is a yuri show like they're gonna they're gonna have a happy ending and it's like oh they do they're just in heaven after they got shot and it's like oh fuck <laughs> Well, yeah, and then, like, there's going to be a better future for Cyborg Bear and that other girl. And you hope, but there's really no, there's no reason to believe that. And so you got, like, hey, I guess we got the judges back on our shoulders. One's like, yeah, that's going to be better because you want it to be better. The other one's like, did you just watch the show? Point (laughs) folks at glasses. I'm the cool one. Yeah. Sometimes you're just going to die like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I guess. (laughs) <laughs> Alice, I'm sorry I'm talking so much. If you I, if you have anything to, no, to talk about or interject, not at all. I was really excited to talk about this show because this show's a lot and it, it it's fun. It is a lot. What do you think has been your favorite part of the Yuri Kuma experience? Hmm, I don't know. I feel like it's it's because it's not a show I've been telling a lot of people I've been watching. Right? Like it's sort of like no, we'll keep this <laughs> one on the DL yeah. uh, for a bit. And the, I feel like the few people I did tell I was watching were either like, I'm not weeb enough to know what that is, or like, oh, I watched the first episode and that shit sucked. And it's like, yeah, you got to get to episode four. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a hard sell for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I can't I can't refute that experience. I didn't quite have it, thankfully, but I also I can't I can't deny that uh, someone might. Well, I feel like under different circumstances, if you had like encountered this, you may have jumped off 
of episode, like after episode one. Yeah. I don't know. I think it might have been just weird enough that you'd be like, I got to see where this is going. Well, I don't know. Like the only other Yuri I watched was Citrus. And the only reason I watched that. Oh my God, really? (laughs) I saw a commercial for it on Crunchyroll and it was like, here's the anime where the two sisters fall in love and probably have sex. And I was like, bullshit, you actually did that. Challenge accepted. No, they they really go that way. The worst part about Citrus is not the fact that it's a sister incest anime. The worst part about it is that it's not even like in the top 80% of weird Yuri incest manga that exist in the last 10 years. It just happened to capture the zeitgeist. And it's not even good. It's not only sort of deplorable in a larger sense, but like, it's not even good. But anyway, back to bears. Now that we've had a, a our every time Chad and I talk, our citrus diversion. Yeah, I will say one of the, one of the things I liked about this anime is I randomly tweeted "shock bear shock" and then like it got a shitload of likes for no goddamn reason. Well, because I retweeted it on the podcast account. Oh, that was super funny because I just like wake <laughs> up in the morning. I'm just like, why do I have like 20 notifications? What did I do? <laughs> yeah, I just happened to see you tweet that. And I was like, ah, Chad's watching Yuri Kuma, and I hit retweet. <laughs> I also really like that as a reoccurring thing in um, in the show. Oh, I, I ended up watching a couple of like uh, video essays on this. Yeah, uh, anime. I haven't watched any video essays on this show. So tell me about that. Um, So there, there are only like two kind of long form ones that I could find. They're all like sub 5,000 views. I'm not shocked. This is not, not the most, not Kuma shocked at all. This is not the most popular anime. <laughs> Uh, the first one I watched, I should just pull these up so I can recommend them. The, I, I don't think, like, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably aren't going to get a whole lot out of these because they're very like, hey, all the stuff we've talked about, I'm just kind of reconfirming that you found the stuff right. Like, I believe you, you know, like as far as what it's about, what some of the main metaphors are and, and visuals, character arcs, things like that. I don't know if they're going to give you a lot of insight, but mm-hmm. they're fairly concise ways to watch it. Uh, okay. Or to get, you know, like a Cliff Coast version of, of, of what the, this is. So the first one is called The Yurikuma Manifesto, a deep dive analysis by the Digital Dream Club. I actually watched all of that one. It was it was pretty all right. Okay. The thumbnail is great because it just says 100% gay. Yeah, that's true. The other one I watched was Yurikuma Arashi, the anime about being a bear and doing crimes by a Weeb Revolution, which has less than 2,000 views. That one, I got about half, a little over halfway through. I think there's good stuff there. Uh... Not to like critique the video, but it, it's a, he repeats himself a lot. It probably does not need to be 24 minutes long. There is yeah. something that he brought up, though, that I thought was interesting about the whole bear shock thing mm-hmm. and how like it's both a representation of like seeing bears that are actually going to kill you. So there's one reading to like basically seeing openly queer people in a world that does not like that. It wants to shun those people. And then three, actually being gay and coming to the realization that, oh, my God, I'm gay and like what that means and how that can be like really devastatingly shocking and you know depending on where you're at in your life and i thought that was really interesting because i hadn't thought of that and I, I i agree with the reading at least to a point i think i think that's a neat piece of insight um have you heard of zaria Mm-mm. uh zaria did a pretty good essay on ikihara in general where they talk about yurikuma towards the end it's worth uh listening to for both like is it like a podcast or a video it's a video i'm actually about to link it okay in our in our little chat but um 
Zeria, Z-E-R-I-A. I cannot recommend their stuff enough. They don't really do anything anymore as far as YouTube. Both them and their partner kind of got out at the same time. But Zaria's blog, Floating in Bliss, Into Bliss, as well as their YouTube channel, is a really good place if you like the kind of stuff that what we talk about when we're on here. But um, mentioning it because they, they, they do talk about uh, Ikihara's, all of his avoir, but specifically Yurikuma. And Zaria had some interesting thoughts on Yurikuma. Is this video uh, pre or post Sarazamai? This one is actually before Sarah's Unlike. Okay, well, I noticed it wasn't in the thumbnail, so... Yeah, they they stopped doing video, like, a year ago. That's what I'm going to get Chad to watch next. This is oh, Sarah gosh. Zanmai. Sarah Zanmai. <laughs> I hope you like it. I don't I don't know anything about that. I don't even know how to spell it, so... I'll, and, you know, I'll, uh, we'll get there. Maybe, maybe we can, like, watch it on, like, Discord one night or something. Like, the first episode, because I think that would be funny. Okay. I, I will say, I think my, after this conversation, like, I, I do think you're still batting a thousand. I don't watch baseball. I actually don't know how that metaphor works. I just hear it a lot. But, like, I, I had enough enjoyment out of this. I do absolutely do not regret watching the show. I think there's a lot of really good stuff in this. I just, I, I you have to be a special brand of weird to enjoy it. Or, like... A special brand of anime connoisseur, maybe? Like, I don't know. It's it's so... You gotta have a high tolerance for, as a previous guest on this show put it, anime bullshit. Yeah. Because Yuri Kuma is uh, chock full of it, especially in the beginning. But that's to weed out the weak. <laughs> yeah, that first scene when they're, like, licking the lily flower, and I was like, this is the most erotic thing I think I've ever seen in an anime. <laughs> I The first time I watched... Okay, Alice also went into Yuri Kuma with basically no warnings. Cass is the one that introduced it to me, Chad. Mm. And I had no warnings. I stopped it. I immediately messaged her and be like, what the fuck? Why are they licking? Why? <laughs> also, you can imagine what that experience is like reliving it with four other people on the line. <laughs> Yeah, because when we would record episodes for this, we would all watch it together. Oh, gosh. It was <laughs> the first time it was a little bit nightmarish. I'm going to be real. Like, I was worried about that for like a day or two in advance. Like, this is going to be weird. This is going to be so weird. We're all going to feel weird. I'm never going to be able to talk normally to any of these people ever again. <laughs> and yet we persevered. And now you're gonna come hang out at my house again next week so we can watch Dune. Okay, I do have a confession. We did see Dune, but we will watch it again with you. Okay, good, because I also I wanted to watch it again anyway. Well, and after this I have to get all your thoughts on Dune. But anyway, uh back to Bears. I like the story within a story. The little the the, the, the kids book yeah! that uh, that was really cute. I don't know if it was technically a good kid's book, but also, like, <laughs> I feel like if I had to tell a kid a story and I didn't know what to do, I could probably recite that one. It would be mostly age-appropriate. Yeah, it's You got cute. toned down a little bit of it. It's cute. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, like, the story within a story, the play within a play stuff. Like, that, mm -hmm. it's just kind of a neat neat narrative structure. Mm -hmm. I liked I liked how they had the missing pages, then they found them, and I was like, oh, we get to see how this ends. Like, like that's a cool little... You know, this didn't feel like a, a plot thread that needed to be tied up, and then it was, and I, that was kind of special. 
and obviously like her finding the the picture and folding it out there's a baby little ginkgo they used to drink tea together and i was like oh my god this is so adorable mm-hmm. i'm kind of glad it didn't lean with that or lead with that because the danger in the first couple episodes like it's such a weird subversion now that i think about it because it's like oh the bears are dangerous and it's like oh god no it's literally all your classmates who have guns <laughs> And don't like you for no good reason other than they're school bullies. I love, like, the first time that you see Kareha with her fucking gun and you're like, why do you have that? God, I was so... I don't even know if I want to repeat this joke because, like, uh, uh, this isn't the comics podcast. But when they burned that flower bed down, I was upset. And I was like, Kareha, you know what you gotta do. (laughs) But then then bears got half of them anyways in the end. Freaking... Oh my god, Ginkgo going on a slaughter spree like fucking Riddick at the end. I really wish that had been actually animated because I really wanted to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a little weird. I didn't feel weird about that whole thing until the fact that she just like, there are guns all over the school. When I first watched it in the same way that I do, I felt like after the world happened and I had taught in a school that had to get locked down. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a lot weirder second time around. It's like, wow, that's even more fucked up. And I kind of feel like that second reaction was the one I was supposed to have. <laughs> I think so. I definitely had that. Like, I was like, what? Why do they all have guns? This is not okay. I think, Alice, you may have just been overwhelmed by the everything that you didn't even get to process that the first time. There are a lot of things I haven't gotten to process. <laughs> They have a tank that runs on the pain of a cyborg. Like, I know it's the, the most forty k they have ever seen. It's like literally the most forty k they have yes! ever seen in anime. It's it's so wrong. Where are the arcs when you need them? <laughs> they they should have painted the bear red so it would be faster. There you go. <laughs> hey, well, Chad, do you have anything else that you would like to address with with Yurikuma? I don't think so. I, w- I wish I had paid a little more attention to Lulu's story. I, I feel like there's a really good character there, and I, I-, I liked her and her, like, loyalty and stuff, but uh, she she got so shafted. Like, I can't believe, like, she took a bullet for Ginkgo. Like, I can because she loved her, but, like, come on. Mm-hmm. I And it's funny because the opening theme, they're basically all kissing each other, and, like, they're all kissing Lulu, and it's like, oh, maybe maybe they're going to find some weird, like polyamorous thing at the end and then it's like or they're all just gonna die i guess that hell that works too look 2015 anime fans would have not been ready for the true ending of yurikuma the anime which is the three of them in a polycule like i don't i don't know if that would have even been satisfying in the long run but it was it was the hope right it was it was was the sparkle ending (laughs) yes she does they could have all been together, and it, it could have been great. I like Ginkgo's design more. I really did not like Lulu's design as a bear. I mean, they're not that different. I know, this the way her clothes, like, fit her. And I was like, nah, I don't like this. This looks weird. <laughs> oh, I love Lulu. She's, She's extremely gorgeous. horny, though. Yeah, I mean, especially in the beginning. I will note again that it's funny <laughs> that in our art, I am Lulu. I just wanted to wear the crown! I don't know... How to feel about the fact that um, I got the when we were deciding which one would be the horny one and which one would be the the uh, overly serious one. Um, I ended up become being the um, horny airheaded one, but it is kind of it is, it is kind of fittingly ironic. To be fair, I didn't know anything about them as characters when I made that choice. 
And I knew it for a long time because I saw it long before we started Eurekuma. And I thought it was funny from the very beginning. You held on to that one. I did. I did like the thumbnail when I logged into the SoundCloud and, and saw it. I was like, that's cute. It is great art. I would like to, I, I do want to say, like, it is great art. Shout out to Lou who drew that for us uh, several years ago, like at least a year before we even started covering uh, Yurikuma, if not like longer than that. That's wonderful. And we have we have upcoming art for when we start to cover Penguin Drum that I'm very excited to reveal at some point. Is that the other show by the same director? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've seen stills of that, I think. In order, it's Utena, Penguin Drum, Yurikuma, and then Sarah Zamai. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. If I, I wasn't clear earlier, Sarah Zamai was like his most recent show, which is another reason that I was recommending it to you. And also just because it is buck wild. I will, I will go where this director takes me. I feel like if nothing else, it will be worth the conversation. Oh, for sure. All right, well, thank you, Chad. I'm glad that you enjoyed your Yuri Kuma experience. I did not ever have any doubt that you would. <laughs> I really, like, even though I knew you were weirded out in the beginning, I was like, I think Chad's going to come around. I really do. And you did. Yeah, I've become predictable. I'm sorry, the <laughs> well, strange, no. all the strangers that listen to me on this. Well, the thing is, is just also that Yuri Kuma's just, when you get down to it, it's a good show. It, like, it really is. It's just, you have to, like, be willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that it's a good show. Yeah, for sure. So, listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtenaCast. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandonata. Alice, where can people find you online? Um, They cannot find me. I cannot be perceived. You are unknowable. I am no-clipping through you even now. <laughs> um, you can, if you do wish to seek me out... You may make offerings at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F, on Twitter, on the Forbidden Plateau of Ling. I will not answer you. But one day, you will perceive that I have noticed you. And what about your podcast? So you can find our podcast uh, on Twitter at, at SteppyCast, S-T-E-P-P-Y-Cast. We do a, my wife and I do a very intermittent podcast about mostly Gundam, but just kind of big... Big robot, everything. Come on, what's the come on, what's the what's the tagline? Come on, real robots, cool robots, and real cool robots. Yeah, I like that. That is, is Cass's tagline that she came up with. <laughs> Cass and I uh, do this occasionally. Uh, I'm trying to get back up to a little more regular. We have done a lot of stuff on the on old G, old Gundam, and I'm working on a script for us to talk about uh, Battletech. Yeah. Soon. So that'll be there. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud as well at Steppycast. Alice, are you going to do um the, the Zoids? Which, oh, Zoids. Yeah. There is a non-zero chance we might. I'll take them odds. Because Cass liked the, like the old Zoids show, liked it a lot. The only mecha-related thing that I almost refuse to cover is... The new oh god what was it the Shiva people wait what ah uh, it's the same it was it was uh, DreamWorks oh I vaguely know what you're talking about because I can like picture generic DreamWorks like robots Voltron Voltron yeah the only basically basically the only mecha thing that is completely off the table is Voltron I guess for some reason like Voltron seemed too obvious so I thought you were talking about something else.
no. But yeah, um, Chad, where can people find you online? Oh Should boy, you wish to be found. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I can be found at Anonymband. I N O N U M. As the name implies, I have a music project called Anonym. That's anonym.bandcamp.com. By the time this goes up, there might actually be new music. I do I do death metal stuff. So if you want to listen to me scream into this particular microphone while guitars play, you can do that. Uh, I also write. You can find me at anonym.wordpress.com. I have a bunch of short stories there for free. And if you want to buy any of my writing, you can go to Amazon. I have three books, The Ninth Life, Dreamscape, and Toyland. And I own all of them yay and uh listeners if you would like to support this show you can do that at utanicast.com and if you would like to see me occasionally reblog utana fan art on tumblr you can follow us at imagineandutana.tumblr.com and that brings us to the end of the show so the our, our sign off is that i'm gonna say gal gal and then chad you and alice will also say gal gal in response so you ready why why are we doing this gal gal it's it's the sign it's the, it's the, it's the, the bears they make that's their growl noise i i know i'm aware of that i don't know why we're doing it it's some podcasts do sign offs chad and this is our sign off we just did the plugs. Is that not the sign-offs? No. Gal, gal. Gal, gal. <laughs> Say it, Chad. I missed it. Say gal, gal. It will Say never. Gal, gal. I, I fucked it up. It's sorry, everybody. No, gal, no, you have gal. to say it. Go, hi, everybody. Gal, You're not allowed gal, to leave gal, unless you gal, say gal, it. Gal, gal, gal. <laughs> You're not allowed to leave unless you say it. Go, go. <laughs> Look for the.